talking about the rain and start talking about how we need the rain in Chicago. How many are glad you have a church that talks about things that are happening in our world today? That we're not afraid of that? Come on. Good to see you here. So there's a couple things we got to talk about, which I wish we could have kept worshiping, but I don't want to keep you here all day. Uh, The first thing is, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 14, verse 8. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 8. Somebody say wisdom. Come on, wisdom. We need wisdom in this generation. We need wisdom in this culture. I appreciate Joe B. leading some of those times of prayer for us, for what's going on. There are two main situations that are happening that are causing the cities to go back into riots, Chicago and uh, Minneapolis. Now, thankfully, only a few were arrested or uh, a few attempted to take it out of hand with us in the city uh, Friday, but already in Minneapolis, sadly, footlockers looted, GameStops looted, etc. This needs to stop. I'm going to share with you how the Bible looks at this. The Bible says the wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways, but the folly of fools is deception. 100% we have to teach our young people to use wisdom. If you don't know this, I'm going to just help you right here. Let me just help you right here. Young people, you are not going to win against a police officer. Now, we will talk about what police officers need and accountability and courts. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. But I just want every young person, every adult to get this today. We have to submit and comply with the police officers. We have to do that as Christians. Now, can we passively resist them when it comes to their policies? Absolutely. Can we stand for our rights and go to the courts and stand up against tyranny? Absolutely. I believe that. But right now, for young people to try to resist, flee, arrest and wrestle with police officers, it's not going to go well with you. I teach this to our young people who go preach. I do this myself. There are times when police officers violate our rights. They don't know that we have the permit. I don't need permission. I already have a permit from the city to come out and preach. I already have the permit. It's called a city code. Are you listening to me? But they will come all up in there at different times. And I love police officers. I love everybody. Everybody say he loves everybody, okay? But we're going to talk about it a little bit here, okay? Now listen, when they ask me to move, I 100% tell them this. I say, I will move. I will go where you want me to go. But I want you to understand this. You're not doing this right. And if you're not doing this right, we're going to take this up at a different time. You have the freedom to say that. But if I start wrestling with them, if I do not comply with them, I have to understand that if I do not give prudence to my ways, I may end up in a situation I don't want to end up in. Choices have consequences. Now, some people might already be thinking ahead, well, pastor, I know of times where the person did everything the police officer said and they still wound up dead. Okay, we're not talking about that because last time I checked, that's not what they're looting about today in Minneapolis, and that wasn't what they were marching about Friday. That's not what they were, they were not marching about that situation. Now, they may say, oh, it gets compounded, it gets compounded, but hold on, let's take the situation at hand. Let's take this situation at hand, starting with the one in Chicago. A 13-year-old is with a 20-year-old at 2.30 in the morning shooting guns. Then when the police officer arrives on the scene, they run with the gun away from the police officer. I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but I don't think that's going to end well. 
I don't think that someone deserves to be shot if they were truly at some other point in the future from the, rain, from the running race now willing to put down the gun. I don't think they deserve to be shot. But here's the good news. Every police officer now in our city has a body camera. Here is the good news. The mayor knows about the situation. So it's going to go to court. The evidence is going to be weighed. We as citizens have seen the video. How many have seen the body cam video? So what are we protesting about? Are we Listen to me. Let's just be very honest. Are we protesting that we don't want the court case for this person? We want them to die because we feel the young child died wrongly. So we just want this, we just want the policeman to die. Forget about evidence. Forget about knowing police procedure. How many of us know the police procedure? I don't know in that situation what is supposed to be done. I believe that someone needs to be told that. I need to, I believe there needs to be a judge. I believe there needs to be a jury. I don't believe that we live in deception uh, or should live in deception about this situation. Can I hear an amen to wisdom? Now. When they're out there walking, is anybody out there chanting? Is anybody out there chanting, gang banging needs to stop? Gang banging needs to stop. Is anybody chanting that? Because when I listen, when I'm listening to the chants, I'm not hearing anybody chanting that. Is anybody chanting this? Parents know where your kids are. Parents know where your kids are. Parents know. I, I didn't hear anybody chanting that. I didn't hear anybody chanting it. I saw people with pig masks on acting like now we're going to throw the whole entire police department under for this. Number one situation in that, the number one problem in that situation is it was sketchy to begin with. Someone running with a gun from a police officer in a deadly situation. I'm, I'm not sure I could call that even on a jury. I had a person in this church that was on the Trayvon Martin jury. She was a person of color. She was in, for, in favor of George Zimmerman getting off. You have no idea what the laws are, my friends. You don't know what the police are trying to do. you got to hear both sides of how they are to react. We'll get to the one about the taser and the stupidity of that in just a moment. But everybody just talk about Chicago for a minute. Let's talk about Chicago. Did I hear anybody on there saying that, that, that they're chanting for the gangs to stop? Stop corrupting young people. Stop corrupting young people. Because last time I checked, a 13-year-old couldn't get a hold of a gun like that. Everybody listening to me. No, but we're chanting against police officers. We're chanting against this and that. I don't know how many are bad. Do you know how many are bad? Are 1% bad? Are 10% bad? Are half of them bad? I don't know how many of them are bad. I'm still trying to figure out how many of you are bad. <laughs> okay? I'm trying to figure out how many pastors are bad. Whatever that police officer has done, 100%, let's bring it to court. But then now this is what people say, oh, no, we can't trust the court system because, you know, that one in Kenosha, he just got off. He's still, he's still on the streets working as a police officer. You mean the police officer that had a knife pulled on him and then he had the guy come at him with the knife and he shot him, that guy? What did you want to have happen to him? Did you want him to pull out a tickle stick with somebody with a knife? Now listen, I say this in all honesty. You may not like it. I may not like the amount of force that Kenosha allows somebody to use with a knife. You may not like that. But friends, let's just get smart right now. Do not come at a police officer with a knife. Do not come at a police officer with a gun. Don't come at them that way. I don't care who you are, white, black, pink, or purple. There was a white woman who called, a police, uh, called the police because uh, I believe this was also in Minneapolis, Blonde hair, blue-eyed white woman thought she was being stalked or something in an alley. She called the police. The police come to the alley. Black person, person of color, sees somebody in his, his, his as, uh, what do you call this out the side? 
peripheral, run up at his car. It's the white woman going like, hey, it's me. Help me find out who this person is. He thinks it's the bad person. He shoots her. Now, did that black man, did that black person wake up that morning and say, I'm going to go kill me a whitey. I'm going to go find me a whitey. I'm going to go kill her. Was that Durango? You ever seen that? Jamie Foxx taking it out on the slave owners? Django, that was kind of fun to watch that, you know? It's like, give it to him. I'm totally with that, right? But, but is, that, is that what he did? Did the black cop go, I'm going to shoot a white, blonde-haired woman today? No. Now, listen, do I know how to solve this problem? If you're asking me today as a pastor, Joe, solve the problem where police do not make mistakes ever again in the entire history of the human race. Do I know how to solve that problem? No. But how about this? To the 13-year-old, how about this? If I was talking to him at 1 in the morning, do I have an answer to solve his problem? Do I have a solution to his problem? Go home. Go home. Go home. Go home right now, young man. And how many know those of us who preach on the streets? Because we out there when they done protesting. We were here before they were protesting. We're going to be out here while they're protesting. We'll keep preaching when they get done protesting. So listen, I have nothing wrong with protesting. By the way, it doesn't matter what I think. You get to do it no matter what. But here's the thing. I love protesting because we live in a country where you can protest, have freedom of speech, freedom of religion. But remember, at Logan Square, they were trying to people that we were preaching to, spray-painted our truck gay, tried to take the microphone out of our person's hand, push one of our black people, a white dude did that. Talk about white privilege, white gay privilege or whatever he was. Was he gay, TJ? We were sticking up for the person that was gay. Okay, so white gay advocate privilege. So they get to do all that, but we come preach, and then now, now we, we, by the way, every time we come preach, it's like they're looking for the speck in our eye. They are perfect speck inspectors. Where's your permit? How much amplitude do you have? They can come down there and just run the whole thing down with their protests, and yet there's not a problem there in the neighborhood. You know why? Because darkness loves darkness. And I'm not saying everybody out there was darkness, but they know there's no conviction in that. Let me just skip ahead a little bit. 2019, in Chicago, 495 murders. 2019, 495 murders. In the year of justice, the year of justice, we're standing up for justice. 2020, the year of justice, 769 murders. Whatever y'all doing ain't working. It's not helping but protest as much as you want. What I say? This, there's no, there's a difference between protesting and looting. Remember, we protest against the mayor shutting us down, the mask and all of that. What I didn't do, what I didn't do was take a garbage can, throw it through the pawn store next to us, and say, in the name of justice, give me all your gold and start running out with it. How many know if I organized that, if I, organ, if I even as a Christian tried to be as stupid to organize that, you would go, pastor, is anybody home? Is anybody in, up in your brain, Pastor? What does you looting the corner store have to do with your fight against the mayor? Why are you looting the, the jewelry store? That's, that has nothing to do with the mayor. <laughs> Come on, somebody. So going back to this story, I don't know how to fix in police policies the way that a police officer who's already got his adrenaline going running after someone he's already heard shots from 
And now he's telling the person to set down the weapon, and the guy has the weapon or doesn't have the weapon, dropping the weapon. I'm not that person in that shoes. That is, to me, going to be a sketchy situation. That's not as easy as to call as we'll talk about the one in Minneapolis. But 100%, I have the solution for that young man to see tomorrow. Go home. Don't shoot a gun in an alley. And when the popo come, the police, just stop right there. Just be like, y'all got me. Look at me. Do and we'll talk about those who do those things and they still get shot. But, but you guys understand that I can help that young person. The Bible says the wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways. Okay? When we are protesting, what are we protesting about? This person is going to go to court. They're going to evaluate it. Jurors of the peers will be there. If you don't think that's being done right, then let's, write, let's vote for the right judges. Let's vote for the right mayors. And if we still don't think that's doing right, let's start policing ourselves. But right now, we do not have a problem with all of us being oppressed by the police. We have a 769 murder problem. How many abortions were there? I can't go back to 20. The earliest I can go back to is 2018. Over 30,000 abortions in this community, Cook, McHenry, Lake County. Where's end abortion now? End abortion now. Where's waving all of the flags of the children that would be representing those nations? Let's represent all the Latino nations where the Latino mothers have murdered their children. Let's wave all of the flags of all the European nations, all the African nations, etc., of where those children are. 30,000 plus almost 1,000 in murders. And we're thinking today our greatest problem, our greatest problem is that police officer. Are we deceived or what? Your greatest problem today, young person, is not that police officer. It's the young person sitting next to you on the bus. That is your greatest fear. Talk to anybody from the neighborhoods where these are prevalent. Your greatest fear is not the police officer. Your greatest fear is 10 blocks away from your house. Is that dude going to mistake me for somebody else? And then can I just give some history of what we've experienced in the city? Children, just look it up, children killed by stray bullets. What, what kind of protests do they get? They get like 10 people from a church holding up a sign with the crying mom. Why is it 10,000 people don't come here? I wish Jay Wan was here today. He put it up on his post so perfectly. We only, kill, uh, we only care as black people when a white person kills us, but we don't care when we kill our own kind, kill our own children. Come on, somebody. Let's wake up to this. And then what about the woman coming home from a Bible study that gets murdered? Nobody in Logan Square going to protest that now? She was coming home from New Life Covenant. You didn't see New Life Covenant because we all know where the gangs hang out. There is every, we are not stupid here, but we are also, less, we don't want to be racist and stereotypical. But how many know if I said to you, I'll pay you $1,000 if you can find me where gangbangers are right now? How many know you could be like, I could get that job done? You're not going to be racist. You're not going to be stereotypical. But, but how many know if I said, I'll give you $1,000, tell me where they're hustling right now, selling drugs. Come on. I could take you to so many corners right now. What did, when, when, listen to me, when that woman got shot from the Bible study, did New Life Covenant and their 10,000 members go down to the area where the gangbangers are, throw bricks through their windows, and go, you know, innocent lives matters, mom's lives matter. Now, people always say, well, here's the problem. I'm going to give all, all this, and then we'll go to the situation in, in, in uh, Minneapolis. They'll say, well, Joe, there's justice for that. There's justice for that. There's not justice for, for this young man. Yes, there is. Who here thinks 
I don't care how conservative, how pro-gun you are. Who here thinks it's a great day that that police officer shot that 13-year-old? Who is here going, man, I'm so, I'm so proud of police that they shoot 13-year-olds. I'm, you know what? I'm glad I, I support the police back the blue. No one is thinking that. Not even police officers are thinking that. Everybody that has a conscience that you will talk to on your job is like, this is horrible. And let's just say he was justified. Let's say in the Chicago police code, you're supposed to drop a gun a certain way. He didn't drop it. He turned a certain way. If the police officer can see it in a hand, then that's a problem if it's up here. I don't know. Let's just say this guy gets off, okay? Do you think his conscience is going to get off? People who have gone to war, who have killed, when people are trying to kill them, no doubt about it, that guy over there is trying to kill me, and I have the legal right to kill him. They come home haunted by their killings. So I don't know any, what are we protesting? No one is thinking the police officer wanted to kill that person. No one is thinking we want a city where that just continually happens. But what we have to do is have a common sense understanding that can do both and. I can both understand policing needs to be better, stronger, more productive, more safer. And I can understand that kids need to be home at 2 in the morning laying in bed and out on the streets. Okay, now that situation in Minneapolis. Young man has a warrant. Maybe he's profiled. How many know profiling happens? How many know I get profiled and I pick up some of you at night? Some of you in your neighborhoods, I get profiled. Woo! Here's the white guy buying crack. Pull him over. Seriously. You act like I don't get profiled. I've gotten, but here's the thing, and you may think this is, you may think, well, this is your little white privilege, but I have been, I have been more threatened by gangbangers in people's neighborhood that I'm pastoring than I have been profiled by the police. In my time of pastoring over 20 years, I've been profiled about five times. I've been threatened over 20 times. I've had the car that was taking me home, because I used to live on Lawndale and Potomac, the guy that was taking me home from a Bible study, because I got a good deal on, on the house over there. It's like, yeah, I'll move in here. It seems fine to me, everybody. I don't know why it's so inexpensive over here. I was new to this city. I don't know why it's so inexpensive here at Lawndale and Potomac. I know I just saw the Latina here go, Pastor, you live there? You don't have an accent like that, but I'm just teasing, you know. Yeah, Pastor was right there on Lawndale and Potomac. Found out real quick why I got that at a great deal. Selling drugs in front of my house. I was coming home from a Bible study. I don't know who they thought we were, but they thought we were somebody they needed to throw a brick at. They bricked my guy's car. I had to help him to recover that damage done to his car. That's what my life was like. My car, my minivan got broken into two different times, broken into two different times, stolen. And you know, there's nothing sadder than going to the dump and finding your minivan all broke, busted, and disgusted, driving it home, Cadillac converters gone, Brrr, things so loud, smells like weed. You don't know what in the world they did in this thing. Twice! Okay, so I'm not saying like, man, I know the plight. I'm just saying... From the time that I've been in the hood, I've been profiled, thrown out the car. What are you doing here? Who's this guy here with the kid I'm bringing home from the youth group? I understand that. As a matter of fact, another time I was dropping off a young person. This is going to be a long day. You guys okay for stories? I was dropping off. I used to work in nine different housing projects in New Orleans because, you know, the whole city, as we used to say, is a tragedy before uh, Katrina. It was bad out there. I dropped him off, and this guy, the police officer, thought I was a crack addict or something because he profiled me on not making a hard enough stop at the turning, you know, turning red, uh, turning right on a red. How many know you're getting profiled if you're getting per pulled over for that? 
I didn't see you do a complete stop at the stoplight. You just kind of rolled through it. No, man, it's 1 o'clock at 9. I've been in the hood, and you want to see if I got crack on me. But guess what had happened? I was in Florida fishing one day, blowing, uh, blowing past these speed uh, traps. I didn't know what was going on, man. I was tired coming home one day from Florida fishing. And a police officer got me going like 50 and a 35. It was an innocent mistake. So this was before you could do it online. I sent in a check. I thought I was good. And this was before I balanced my checkbook. So I never paid attention to what checks were cashed or not. So this guy profiles me in the hood, does a run on me. Guess what? I got a warrant on me I mean, from Florida, and I'm a pastor. He's like, look, we're just going to take care of this warrant real quick at the station. Just come on in my car real quick. Come on. That's why I found out how they arrest you, you know. So I'm like, okay, just sit back here. Yeah, just sit back here. What about my car? We'll take care of that. Then I'm sitting back. Now, of course, I know it would go different for Tuan or for Carlos, but listen, this white boy still got profiled and arrested. And then they throw me, and he's like, well, we're going to go to the station. You're going to get booked. I'm like, booked? Like, like, what are you, like mugshot? Yes, you have a warrant in Florida for this. Friends, it happens. Now, you may say, Pastor, you don't understand my plight. You don't understand this. But here's, here's what I understand. I want you to live. So even if you're getting profiled, listen to him. So this young person gets profiled, right? You know the story. They pull him over. They find out he has a, has a, has a warrant. Yeah, so I totally agree. Profiling this person. While they're trying to arrest him, he resists. He then gets into the car. Then the Oompa Loompa officer, Barney Fife, who we all know did something stupid, thinks she has a taser and then now puts a shot in him that eventually kills him. I get this. I totally get this. But guess what? We have body cams to deal with this. Now, how do you deal with that? Let's just say you're on the jury of this. Do you think to yourself, this woman is a racist. This woman is so racist that she would purposely call her firearm a taser, show regret after firing it, and then look at everybody like she didn't mean to do it. Is she, is she that good of a racist actress that has had a Ku Klux Klan hat on every day and is like, I finally get my chance now to shoot one of them. It's a taser. It's a taser. Oh, I'm an idiot. It was my gun. Or is she just one of, one of the bad who don't know how to handle stress, who we're going to have to figure out as a society, how many more psych evaluations do you give police officers to fix this? How many more times do you got to put them out there? for the, from the, She's training police, you know. How many more times do you got to train them before they notice? I don't know. I don't know how to fix that. But here's what I do know. If he wanted to live in this situation, somebody say wisdom. He would have given thought to his ways. Here's my right arm. Here's my left arm. I'm going to figure this out in court tomorrow. Does everybody get that? How many know he would probably be alive today? I don't think in that situation he would have been shot for the fun of it. And so here's what I don't understand. What are we protesting when we look at these situations and we now try to put them on top of all the others? It's just like we're compounding this thinking, oh, this is injustice, this is injustice. I can prove it. Here it is. And I'm going, let's individualize these things. Let's look at them. Is there an injustice or are there problems with police at times and are there problems with the criminals at times or people being pulled over, right? Okay, now, there's other times, like you, look, you learn about that guy. He's in the military. He bought a new car. He's getting profiled. He doesn't want to stop at the side of the road. He stops at the gas station. He gets maced and all that. I'm with you. And by the way, it doesn't matter what I think, but I'm just trying to help us as Christians. 
But resisting the, re the arrest, getting out of the vehicle, makes the guy pull out his mace. Why not get out the vehicle, take on that silly charge they're going to give you, and then sue it? And if it doesn't work, we keep suing, we keep standing, we keep voting in judges and doing that. And yes, we protest and let them know our disgust. But right now, I don't know how as a Christian we can get behind those kinds of protests. Because I don't know honestly what we're protesting when we keep saying that we need to fry up the pigs like bacon. One guy was out there in Minneapolis with a pig's head, with a pig's head marching around calling for the death of police officers. I'm just like, I know that's not everybody, but I'm just saying, how do we fix the problem that way? We don't. So this is what I think we should do as the church. Let's honor the police. When they do us wrong, we help them obey the laws. We take them to court. Amen? And how many know we'll stand with you? You don't know that? How many know we'll stand with you if you're going to stand against injustice? What's well, a little bit, still now a little bit assuring here as a pastor. Uh, how many think I'll stand with you? Amen. I'll stand with you. What I don't want, what I don't want is for us to become anarchists and to partner with people who do not care about our families and our communities. As they have seen in the, in the people who were trying to do what's right in some of those protests, there was other troublemakers breaking down things, and they're saying, these people are not even with us. They don't even care. I remember one was happening on the south side, and they actually told them to leave, and I'm so happy because of that. Because those old dudes who were there and they were protesting about the situation they were involved in wanted nothing to do with tearing down black-owned, black-used you know, uh, businesses or Latino used businesses. Let's honor what we're going to honor and then let's get what's bad out. And then here's the last thing that I think we have to be woke to in this is they want us to think now everybody is like whatever picture they paint. And that to me only compounds the issue. If I were to think every police officer was like the guy who profiled me, I'm going to come with that chip on my shoulder and then be less, uh, you know, less willing to do what I need to do to make it out of that situation alive. And I feel like if we treat each other like that, we're going to all uh, be the exact problem we're trying to fix. So the guy who is saying death to police officers is literally falling for the same trap of the enemy because I believe it's not a battle against flesh and blood but against spirits to get people to think all black people are alike. If you think all police are alike, then what's wrong with the person who thinks all black people are alike? If you think all Christians are alike, what are you any different that thinks all Muslims are alike? What have we accomplished that way? And so what we need to do is take them on case by case. And that's another thing that we just have to be careful about. People are asking us online to make our stand, make our decision about some of the most sketchiest situations that are happening in our world. Those two situations, not so easy to call. George Floyd, if you're asking me from a Monday morning quarterback, that's super easy to call. That's eight minutes of laying on a dude. But is it the first time that something stupid like that has happened with police officers? No. But why is it being used against us to think that black uh, people are being hunted down by police officers, they can't respect them, never listen to them, run from them, they're trying to kill you? That actually makes it worse. Because I could say that as a, as a white person as well, and I know the statistics people like to get on, but more white people die by police, and they go, yes, but you're a higher percentage, so by percentage, more black people die by police. Yes, but the bottom line is, I can get shot too, y'all. How many know that? Maybe by percentage. Let's just say the argument. Let's say by percentage, my chance of getting shot by a police officer is lower than yours, but how many know I still have quite a bit of percentage to get shot? There's enough there. There's enough like, do you really want to do this, Joe? Because you can get shot. Now, should we live in fear of our police? Absolutely not. Let's keep standing up for righteousness and judgment. And, and I do believe a lot of police officers like the one in the in the, in the 
and the, and the, uh, the George Floyd situation are reaping what they've sown because these guys have been so like on their own wild west doing things. We all know that, right? We all know at times these police officers do more than they should be doing and I feel like now they're being exposed because they do have hard hearts. They're wicked too. They'll go to the same hell as the gangbanger they're arresting because they've been wicked in their, in their leadership. I'm totally with them. But listen, that doesn't just happen to black people or people of color. There was a white guy, I think he was in Las Vegas. He was, uh, you know, wrestling with a police officer. I don't know what, what nationality they were. But the police officer started choking him and started mocking him. You can listen to the, the video of this. He's mocking the guy like, hey, man, how do you feel now? We got you now. And then the guy passes out and starts to die. They don't think the dude is dead. They keep him in the headlock. They keep mocking him, and then they set him down as he's dead and keep saying, come on, wake up, you drunk dude. They're mocking the guy, and they killed the dude, okay? It's happened where white guys have pulled something out of their pants, and they get shot at a gas station too. Once again, you might say, well, percentage-wise, it's so much different. The point is this. we got to fix our police by fixing how we are with police. How about this drunk white college dude? Don't wrestle the police officer, you idiot. Do you get my point with that? Why can't I say, am I a racist towards white people because I think it's an idiot move to wrestle with a police officer? Do I think, am I racist because I think it's an idiot move not to run with a gun down an alley at 2.30 in the morning? Let me just ask you guys this, all, all of you and people who listen to us who think the taser was the solution, the, which it should have been, don't get me wrong, but let's just play this out because I just want to ask this question to somebody. You know, you think about things like this in the shower. He gets tased. What do you normally do when you get tased? You jerk back. Go into convulsions, he hits the gas pedal, runs over a three year old, runs over a child, right? What about these people in car chases that kill people? See, that's not news story, is it? No, that's just a guy who did something stupid, justice will be served. But why is it people get to do whatever they want, make mistakes however they want, kill people however they want, and yet that's never seen as being racist, that's never seen as being uh, unjust? How about the three-year-old that got shot literally by these people, right, that shoot off guns and don't care about where the bullets goes? I think we need to, to understand we're fighting a spiritual battle with spirits that are wanting to deceive us and make us fight against each other instead of seeking out God's justice. The wisdom of the prudent give thought to their ways, but the folly of fools is deception. Let's stop living like fools. Amen? Somebody say round two. It's going to be a little bit easier for you. Let's go to Matthew chapter 5. I used to just preach this instead of sermons, and then I started going back to sermon series, but now we've got so much going on. Matthew chapter 5, uh, verse 11. Oh, how many are happy that today you're in church? How many, you don't ha how many know you don't have all the answers, but you know somebody who does? Amen? We don't have all the answers. We're not trying to pretend like we do, but we know somebody who does. I know the best step forward for our community is Jesus. So we should be chanting, Jesus, Jesus. Young people, get Jesus. That should be our heart. Look at this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 11 and onward. Blessed are those Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let me address this real quick, but I wanted to say this because I said it in the first service as well. When we were preaching on the west side at um, Western and Chicago the other day, there was a brother from Kenya that wanted to preach with us, and he was excited and he was preaching. So I said, man, I want to use you as an example real quick. So I said, brother, get the mic, man, get the mic. So I started interviewing him, and I said, brother, in Kenya, do they look like me or do they look like you? 
And he's like, he's like, in Africa, they look like me, you know. I'm trying to do my African accent. By the way, I do, a, I do an Italian accent, a Polish accent. Everybody gets a bad accent around here, okay. So nobody think that I'm just picking on the African Wakanda or Africa, okay. Here will be my bad Latino accent. To be fair to everybody, I tries. I tries, okay. Don't laugh at that. Not good. Not good. Okay, so anyways, he's like, in Africa, they look like me. They look like me. So I said, you mean there's no white people in your part of Africa? No white people. And then I'm like, who do you blame for all the problems? Because if they all, because I'm on the west side, and everybody's pointing at me. I'm the, I'm the problem. I've been called a white devil. I've been called an oppressor. I've been called all of this. And I'm like, I just woke up this morning and put on my shoes to come preach to you. I never owned Kuta Kinte. I never came looking for you. My people were in a whole different country, suffering to a whole different regime during that time. Have you ever studied about the Polish and the Italian folks? Have you, do you know what we went through? At one point, the Italians were running some stuff, but that, that didn't last very long, okay? So I'm like, I'm sorry that I remind you of the white slave owner who lived in the South, but I am not that guy, okay? And I believe that guy goes to hell. So I don't know what we're arguing about here because I'm not the devil. I'm just a normal guy who loves Jesus trying to preach the gospel. Can I get an amen to that? I've stood right out here on this corner, and Puerto Ricans have told me, go home, white boy. This is our neighborhood. And I'm like, how would you have liked it if the white people said that to you? And they're like, they did say it to me. And I'm like, why are you saying it to others then? Let's, let's all agree racism is bad, amen? But that's not even where it stops. Another Polish guy, because there are also a lot of Polish people around here, he said, I'm so ashamed of you. I'm Polish, and you're out here preaching like this. My people, we are Catholic. Mwah, we're Catholic. And I'm like, listen, you're going to go to the hell that everyone else goes to if you don't repent, okay? So I'm an equal offender to my Polish people, to the whoever wants to get up in that, that, that nonsense. So anyway, somebody say, so anyways. Going back to the point, I'm talking to the Kenyan. And so I go, oh, so there must be no problem. It must be like Bob Marley, man. We're all from Africa, you know, all smoking the ganja. We're just at peace. He said, no, you know what we have in Kenya? Tribalism. He said, everybody fights from their tribes. You know, I'm from this tribe. I'm from that tribe. Your tribe did me wrong. And I'm like, oh, wow. So you mean in a place where it's a monogenous group, mostly all the same, look the same, there's not too much integration. It's not like people from Norway are moving to Kenya now. You know, It's like there's pretty much all Kenyans in Kenya. You're telling me you guys are still killing each other? Wow. Let's go back to the Bible. Cain killed Abel. The brother killed his own brother. That's the spirit of murder. It's been on our land since the devil came here. That's how I know it's a spirit. It's a spirit. It's a spirit of murder that gets us to hate one another. And then I'm telling you, I'll keep you here all day with history. They say, oh, it was the Christians, though. You guys did this to Africa. You take everything the Christians did, times it by 10, you get to half of what the Muslims have done and what the tribes did to each other. Have you ever heard of Egypt? Egypt was not the friend of all the African people. We're just coming to your village because we want you to come join us at that pyramid over there. Like, my friends, do you think the Mayans were your friends, like the indigenous people? Do you think the Mayans went to the villages and said, hey, we just want you to come visit the pyramid. We want you to get some of our homemade scarves and our burkas or whatever. You know, what's that thing that they wear, the thing? What do they call it, the poncho? Yeah, we just want you to come get the poncho on our homemade basket. No, they were sacrificing their own people. Have you heard of Egypt? Have you heard of these dominating empires in Africa and South America? All indigenous people were not smoking peace pipes. My point in saying this, white people did it to each other. Have you ever heard of France? Have you ever heard of England? How many know those are some crazy white people killing each other? 
They killed each other for, you ever heard of Spain? They started all fighting each other. Like, we're all just going to kill each other. You look exactly like, it doesn't matter. I want your land. How many know Russia looks just like me in some ways, or I look like a Russian? How many know Russian doesn't give a flip about America today? How many know Russia, you know, back in the day, like that was our number one enemy? I'm telling you, it doesn't matter skin color. It doesn't matter, how, you know, how many know North Korea and South Korea pretty much look alike? But how many know they want to kill each other based on economics or their government because North Korea has a dictator? How many understand these things? Cain killed Abel. It's a spirit. It's a spirit of murder. You go to Kenya, Kenyans are killing Kenyans. You go to Mexico, Mexicans are killing Mexicans. You go to a country like us where we're kind of integrated, yeah, there may be some racism and people trying to kill another kind of people, but then guess what? Last time I checked, the gangs are killing their own people. What is the difference between a Latin king and a Latin G? And their people, aren't they the same people? What is the difference between a blood and a crip if you're African-American? Come on, somebody, just like to say, what's the difference between France and England? Both of y'all crazy. Well, we've got the Pope. We've got Jesus on our side. No, both of y'all going to the same hell. Can I hear an amen? I might not even be able to preach that other message. Whew, how many having a good time at church today? Getting it off our chest, setting the record straight. Hey, at least you can say I used my voice. I'm using my privilege today, amen, to speak up. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets before you. While all of this is happening right now, Canada has forced the Christian churches underground. You and I, unless you are old enough to remember the revolt of Cuba and possibly a few other nations in Asia like Korea, are now witnessing something that most people have never seen. Like, I've never seen it in my life. A democratic nation has now turned against Christians. This is, this is, this is not okay. This is not normal. This is in the name of COVID, but this is very destructive towards Western culture, freedom, values, whatever you consider to be something good about freedom. They started by arresting the pastor, put him in maximum security, they let out criminals during that same time, but would not let him out. They then gave him an ultimatum that said, we'll let you out if you'll stop preaching. When have you ever heard this? But he said, I'm not going to stop preaching. You better keep me here then. Eventually, they let him out because they believe they resolved the issue by putting chains linked fences around his church. Now, we don't know where that church is meeting. They have gone underground. Did you guys see the Polish pastor in Cal Calgary? God bless that Polish man. Get out of here. Get out of here. You want to talk to a Polish person that's getting some flashbacks. If, any, if anybody knows about Nazism and communism and the Russians, and all, it's the Polish man. The Romanians, too. That's why we partnered with our Romanian Pentecostal brothers against the mayor. They remember this. They've heard stories of this. When they come for our freedoms, they're coming to take us. They start off nice. They start off that we're all going to be a part of this. It's all going to work well for us. And the moment we resist, they destroy us. Now the church of Canada is underground. In your lifetime, may we pray for our brothers and sisters now who are truly suffering. We still haven't even gotten to the point in this church where we can put our home Bible studies up again. We've gone underground. We were underground for a few weeks. They're now going underground until this is settled. 
I pray that you're seeing what's happening in our nation and what's happening around the world. This is why we're reading the book of Revelation right now. They're turning against Christians. You know, I understand maybe in their mind, let's give them the benefit of doubt, they think it's going to spread a virus, but aren't they getting vaccine? Aren't they all getting vaccine? And, 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 and isn't the survivability over 99% unless you have preconditions? And don't most of the people in Canada have enough common sense to make their own decision to go to that church? So why would you have to put fences around it? Why would you have to arrest the pastor? It's because they're wanting to change the values of that culture. And as they've always said, my pastors that I've always looked up to, I've had some dear pastors that have helped me over the years. They've always said, England and Canada are always the testing grounds coming towards America when it comes towards these policies. And you would have said that maybe 10 years ago, and people would have said, no, in America, man, it's God, guns, and Bible, you know, God, guns, and glory. That, That won't happen. But you will be surprised how much that pandemic or plandemic, as some want to say, was used against the church and against Christians. And those of you who think, because I know there may be some watching or listening, that think we as Christians are just self-afflicting this. Like, it's just your fault. You guys are just fake martyrs. You're not real martyrs. You have no idea. This is how it is in the countries we talked about. When they take the freedoms It's always those who are on the front lines that want those freedoms the most that the clashes begin to happen. And in America, where has always been the most freedom? In this place right here. Seriously, you study history. And I have a sister. Would you wave your hand, Betty? Betty teaches American history. Come see Betty. Am I telling the truth here? Black robe regiment during the American Revolution, the greatest voices of freedom preaching to the people that this is now the time we've exhausted the politics was in the pulpit. During the abolition movement, what was it? The church? See, see, people try to come out of both sides of their mouth and they get caught up in their lie. Some people say, man, it was the white man and it was Christianity that oppressed us and did all that. Oh, yeah, that's right. Then why did they have to come up with a slave's Bible then? If Christianity was so good for oppression, why did they have to change the Bible and start making it illegal on the plantations? They started cutting out the parts of the Bible that once the slaves could read and read about liberation, read about freedom. You can look them up in museums. They had to cut that out and make a slave's Bible because Christianity at its core is all about freedom. Whatever was used was a man-made version. So you can't say out of one side of your mouth it was Christianity that oppressed because when you look over here, you see at what all that it could lead to, the freedom of the abolition movement. Most of, if not all, were Christians. But then at the same time, they want to say, oh, Christianity has done nothing but harm us, but harm us, but harm us. It was responsible for this and that. Then why was it used by the Underground Railroad? What was, Mary, what was Harriet Tubman, a Christian or a Muslim? What, what, what was Booker T. Washington? What was Frederick Douglass? Were they atheists? They were Christians. So you can't have it both ways. You can't say on one side, these were great, outstanding abolitionists who stood up against the man and then say on the other side that Christianity is terrible because those who stood up against the man were actually Christians. Why didn't they reject Christianity? There were Muslims that came over. So this guy over here, you know, Louis Farrakhan is right. A lot of Muslims did come over. But guess what? They were slaves. They were literally slaves in the Muslim nations 500 years before the Europeans ever showed up. And as a matter of fact, when you study the African slave trade, who taught those white guys how to get Kukatente? It was the Muslims because they had already been working with the tribes. 
So I'm not saying two wrongs make a right, but my point is Islam had already set up the corridor for the slave trade of Africa. And if you study about Islam, they were taking over the Europeans in Spain as well. Not as many, not as many, but there were a lot of Spaniards and white people that were taken into their sex trafficking and into their uh, slavery. Can I hear an amen to some truth out here? And a lot of people talk about the conquistadors and the indigenous people. Many of them joined with the conquistadors because they hated the Mayans so much and they hated the Aztecs. I'm not saying two wrongs once again make a right. But when you look back on these times and people want to put it back on Christianity, you can't have it both ways. Were Christians a part of the problem or a part of the solution? True Christians have always been part of the solution. That's why when we had our debates about abolition, we debated it over the Bible. And we said to Bubba, you are an idiot. What is wrong with you, Bubba? They are humans. And the Bible says we are one race, the human race. That's why the Christians appealed to God for the others to start joining with their movement because they said, you believe this. And then what do you think was used to try to debunk their arguments? Go back and look at it. Human zoos. What do you think tried to debunk the Christian argument? We're humans. Evolution. These are the missing links. And that's why they put the Aborigines as well as the Pygmies and certain tribes of Africa. They put them in museums. They said, see, hold on, hold on. We get it. If we were all one race, then we couldn't do this because God says love your neighbor as yourself. But we've got a, we've got a, fun, a friendly little doctrine now to put into the belief of our, of our Bible. We're going to call it evolution. And so there's been from the goo through the zoo to you type of stuff going on. And guess what? This is where it stops right here. This is where, this is where we find our missing link. Somebody say to hell with that. So it was the Christians who fought against that. Just like the Christians fought against Nazi Germany, not only with their weapons, but you read about Dietrich Bonhoeffer who said the Jews are not rats. The Jews have the same DNA of most of you living in Germany. They had already integrated with them. There is no such thing as pure Aryan blood to begin with. So they use science against them. But what did the Jewish, uh, the, the Nazi scientists say? Well, we'll get rid of that. We're going, to do, we're going to do eugenics on our own people. So it was first and foremost, get rid of the rats. Then it was to purify their own. They were going to start killing Germans as well to purify the German race so that they all could be a certain kind of person. That's why they had no love for the Russians. They didn't have love for any other kind of people. They wanted to, they wanted to purify an Aryan race. Come on, somebody say that's history. And where were Christians the whole time? See, that's why if somebody says to me, I'm a Nazi and I'm a Christian, that's like saying you're a vegetarian who likes steaks. What is wrong with you? Well, I'm a racist Christian. I believe they're animals. I believe in evolution as a Christian. I know it's not as bad, but it's just, just silly. I know you can believe in evolution be a Christian. Don't get me wrong, but it's really just as silly. God had to create us either through one, one Adam and Eve, one race, the human race, or to the racist actual credit, we are different races. And if you look up the, the founder of the gene, the human gene code, he actually was a racist, and he's actually been debarred or whatever they do to those in the scientific community. They take him back. I believe he had a Nobel Peace Prize because guess where his research kept taking him? Well, if we have different genes and we've all come through different animal types, then there are actually different races. And so he started spending the last years of his life, this was just like 10 years ago, trying to convince the scientific community that we are different kinds of primates, evolved more than some and less than others. Come on, somebody say, God have mercy. And so we need to pray for our nation. We need to take a stand against racism, and we need to take a stand against things that divert us from our, our, our belief in justice. And maybe you guys can go back and watch the first service because I won't keep us here. Uh, Vinny, would you come, please? Let me tie this together with something encouraging. Amen. There's no way I can get to Revelation chapter 5. It's just not going to happen. You guys are too much fun.
You guys want me to try? It's like an hour message. You're going to be here to at least 2 (laughs) o'clock. Praise God. Here's my heart for our nation. Let's go to Acts chapter 17. And for Canada, making Christianity illegal. How many know that's a spirit as well? Go to Acts chapter 17, one of my favorite passages of the Bible. You might say, Pastor, what about uh, just hitting on the evolution thing? Since I went there, it kind of covered a lot of things. You might ask, well, Pastor, what do we think about science and, and trans uh, mutation or uh, you know, differences within species and all of that? The answer for the Christian is very simple. God made us with a genetic code that was flexible and changeable to a limit. That means dogs can have different dog kind, but what is it still at the end of the day? A dog, a chihuahua, a pit bull, a German shepherd, they all come from what? A dog. A wolf probably comes from a what? A dog. A fox probably comes from a what? A dog. We call these canine types. We call these the families of the canine. Same thing with the feline. A cat, a tiger, a lion. What do they all probably have in common? A similar feline ancestors. Everybody get that? But how many know no matter how long you give a cat, it's not going to turn into an elephant? No matter how long you give an elephant, it's not going to turn into a giraffe. And so what we believe is that there are kinds of animals that can reproduce and change within their species, just as we have changed within our species. But once again, we are still one species, one species. Now Paul, speaking to the pagans, he comes in Acts chapter 17 proclaiming, that there's no God but Jesus. He sees their idols. He's going to use their idols as a launching ground for preaching Jesus. They had an idol there to the unknown God. And he stands up and he says this to them. Look at Acts chapter 17, verse 22. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Aragopagus. This is of the Greek people here, the philosophers. He said, people of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and I looked carefully at the objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and that is what I'm going to proclaim to you. How many know Paul loved you enough to call you ignorant? Okay, so unless you came from the Jewish people, all of us were ignorant people worshiping something we shouldn't have been worshiping. Okay, I got my Greek family there. Opa! We... This is your people. They were ignorant, right? Let's be honest. The Italianos, ignorant. The Latin American countries, ignorant. We all came from Adam and Eve. Then the earth got judged. Noah's flood. We all got dispersed, cursed, because we used our unity to try to rebel against God, cursed according to our language. Then by language, we got our gene types. Those who were speaking somewhat of the language of of what we would now know as Asian became the Asian type, the Middle Eastern type, the Mediterranean. These people, the Bible says, were divided by languages. So if you look at what? The top 50 types of different kinds of people were all the same race, the human race, but you get my point that you could see how they were dispersed by their languages. There was probably uh, less water at the beginning of the recovery of the flood because the waters had come up from the deep and were receding into canyons. There were probably land bridges between our continents. That's how people got here or they were really good at surviving a long time on a ship, but they got here somehow, right? So now there's all these people, and now they have a choice. They have a choice to worship the, st- the God from the stories that they've heard from their ancestors about one true God who has made a covenant with a people and that wants to establish his kingdom on the earth. They probably would hear something like that. We can do that, or we can look to a tree and call it our God, or we can make an idol and call that our God, or we can look to our ancestors and call that our God. Well, the Greeks, 
they got themselves in some trouble and they could not figure out why a certain disease would not leave their land. Obviously, medical science would say it's probably because there's something infectious going around. But at that time, they would seek God. Still don't have a problem in doing both, seeking medical answers and seeking God. Can I have an amen to that? Because while we're waiting on the medical answer, how many know we still need God's help? And how many know even after the medical answer comes, you still need God's help? You can have a vaccine and still go to hell, people, right? You still need Jesus. you got to be forgiven of your sins. And so they got to this point where they're like, we have sacrificed to every single God we know, and this has not changed our situation. It has not gotten any better. So one of their poets, who Paul is about ready to quote, who at that time a poet could also be a wise person, a philosopher, one of them said, hey, I got an idea here. I've heard way back in the day that we all come from one God, from one people, from that God. And we probably have forgotten who that God is, and we probably have a lot of these other gods that we're trying to replace with that God, but we need to go back to that one main God. But here's the problem. He's a pretty smart guy, right? He's figuring this out. He goes, but here's the problem. I don't know that God's name. I don't know who he is or who she is or whatever that God is like. I just have a feeling that if that one God made us and all these other gods are imitations of that God and we're one people from from that one original family, then what we need to do is just humble ourselves, make an altar, and say, this is to the unknown God. This is to the one that we don't know. And we're going to sacrifice to that God and say, forgive us for going to all these other ones because obviously they're not the right ones. We're going to sacrifice to you. In history, it says that the disease went away in the land when they sacrificed to that unknown God. Over time, that poet, that philosopher was all but forgotten. Paul, the studious person that he was, knew When he was coming to these sharp philosophers and poets of their own right, he knew that story. And he knew who that God or that story about that unknown God was. But he also knew more than that. He knew who the God was that showed up and hooked him up. It was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It was the God of Moses and Joshua. It was the God who sent his son Jesus. So he's not trying to be offensive. He's actually paying them honor, but he's at the same time being real with them, going, y'all are ignorant of this person. I'm going to tell you about him. Now watch this. In verse 24, he goes on with that theme from that story. He goes, the God, not God's, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. And he does not live in the temples made by human hands. See, what you guys are doing is all wrong. you got to go back to the beginning, how he wants to be worshipped. And he's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Like when I went to go get my petty, can I say that without being embarrassed in church? Few of you amended me. Nobody over here. I was looking for more support over here. (laughs) Go get your petty, Pastor. Because you know what it is. I was this close today, but I thought some of you weren't ready. It's shorts and chancla season, y'all, in church. So, yes, I will be doing that. And then you can have your friends go, why does he wear shorts and chanclas? Just tell him, because it's too hot for him to wear jeans and shoes. Why else would he be doing that? You want him to be hot? Okay. So I'm getting the petty. Don't get the polish. Don't get the nothing. Just get that cleaned off, because people already make fun of my feet all the time. Anyways, guess what I see in front of that shop? Little Buddha. Buddha's got his candy all around him. Somebody must like candy, giving it to Buddha. Buddha had his meal. 
How many have seen those before when you go to places? Whether it's the Thai restaurant or the Manny Petty place, you go somewhere where somebody honors their God and they put before them something that God, something made with their hands as if that God needed that starburst. You know there was a sassy part of me that just wanted to go down there and be like, you will not be needing this. I don't, and I'm not afraid of you either. I'm going to eat it right in front of you. You don't know. You won't even know this happened, you little fake God. But I respect them. Just like I respect little baby Jesus, little manger white baby Jesus, little cuddly blue-eyed Jesus that's sitting there, little blue-eyed Joseph and all the white people, little Jesus. You know, I, I, we all look at them and go, come on. They lived in the Middle East. Can we at least try to care about what they looked like here? That's the first thing. The second thing is why we got to put them everywhere, right? Little baby Jesus, every get knocked over by people who don't like him and stuff. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. Moving on. Somebody say, move on, Pastor. Paul said, you guys think that's what God is about, that he needs your hands, that he needs anything. No, rather he gave everyone life and breath and everything else. He's the one that gave us everything. Now look at verse 26. From one man he made all the nations. Praise God that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their land. Do you know that God not only picked out how you would come out of the womb with the culture mix that you have today, but also the generation and the gender you would have? That you would be a male, you would be a female, you would be born in this generation from this family. That is how special each one of us is to God. You were born a certain way at a certain time to be a certain gender. Paul's preaching saying God did that. God made the African people from that one man. God made the Anglos, the Europeans from that one man. God made the Latin Americans. God made the Asians. God made the Middle Eastern and the Mediterranean from that one man. Because even at this time, the Greeks thought, come on, Greek people, let's be honest. They thought their people were superior. They had Alexander the Great. He's the best. Even to this day, anybody ever seen Big Fat Greek Wedding? The Greek people are the best. They invented the languages. They invented the sciences, the Greek people. But Paul is saying here, there are no people that are any more special than any other people based on where they were born or when they were born or who are they. God does that. Praise God. Somebody say, I was made by God. Amen. Look at verse 27. God did this. Why did he do this at these different times with these different cultures? God did this so that people would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Here's the greatest, one of the greatest parts of the Bible you'll ever read right here. It's right up there with John 3.16. Everybody get this. Though he is not far from any of us. He's not far from any of us. Missionaries have gone into different parts of the world and have heard the stories of the Jewish people in all of those different tribes and people groups. Some, I've heard it even preached out of those who are Chinese Christians, even believe that their language, Chinese, was based upon the Judeo-Christian faith. I'm telling you. They believe that the story of the gospel is seen in their own language. They found, as we were talking about with the Mayans and the Incas, they found different things in some of the artifacts of the indigenous people around those, around those different nations. They found things that looked identical to the Ark of the Covenant. Now Mormons get all excited and say, that's because the tribes came over here and did X, Y, and Z. No, that's not what happened. 
But it was God speaking to them through their hearts, their consciences, dreams and visions. Even to this day in, in nations that Christians cannot get to, Muslims, people in North Korea are being reached by dreams and visions and by God showing up to them. And then when they get a Bible or they meet a missionary, they tell of the story, man, I already met this person. I believe I, I, I met him. I know who he is. There's a story one time of an imam that was meant to go become a leader of a mosque. It's, it's, it's uh, Dreams and Visions. It was put out by the 700 Club. And he tells the story, it was my job to, to stop the Christian missionaries from reaching this part of the Middle East. And I was to study their religion and to come up with pamphlets to give it to the people. He then said he had a dream of Jesus. And Jesus said to him, you're on the wrong side. You're on the wrong side. And he's thinking to himself, there's no way I can be on the wrong side. I'm Muslim. I have the Quran. I don't even understand the Bible. I don't have, you know, I'm just learning to try to disprove it. And, and Jesus guided him through the Bible that he started reading to disprove Christianity, to become a Christian. And then he told it to his people. They tried to kill him. He had to escape because he saw a vision of Jesus. Doesn't that sound like Paul in the Bible? Paul's a Jew thinking he's killing Christians by doing God's work. God appears to him, and now the same Jews he was on the side of now try to start killing him. And then he shows up to the Bible study. He says, hey, guys, let me in. And they're like, no way we're letting you in. I mean, that's all part of the story, isn't it? And then Barnabas is like, man, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to take a chance on Paul. He looks kind of crazy. I'll hang out with him, get, take him out for a Bible study. And he's like, man, Paul's legit. Paul's legit. And then Paul becomes a part of the church. These are real stories in our Bible. Paul said this to these people. He said, God's not far from you. It doesn't matter what religion you are, what part of the planet you live on. God is not far from you. And now look at this. For the wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. You know what he does right here? He quotes the guy who came up with the whole unknown God thing. He quotes that guy right here, right back to them, and makes it Scripture. Wouldn't that be something if you quoted Tupac and that became inspired Scripture? That's, that's the equivalent. It's not to disrespect Scripture, but that's the equivalent of what he does. He takes, the, he takes the poet, the wise person of that day, quotes it to them in a sermon, and God's like, that's so right, I want that in my inspired Scripture because I'm the one that told it to that guy back then. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. That does not all mean we are in a relationship with that God as sons and daughters. Because only sons and daughters are those who are born again. He chose his words carefully when he was picking out what he was going to use from those poets. He said, but we are all God's offspring. We are all God's creation. No one is here without God's handiwork in their lives. And then he says, therefore, because if it, was, if it was already, we're all God's children, like Oprah or whoever wants to say, you know, we're all God's children. If that was it, he was done. And I just want to tell you guys, we're all God's children. Everybody have a good day. Let's go out to lunch. Now he doesn't end it there. He goes, therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine is like things of gold or silver or stone or an image made by human design and skill or in our sexuality, or what we do in, in this world through our money and our jobs and our education. He said, in times past, God overlooked such ignorance, called some basically ignorant. How many know he loved them enough to tell them the truth? But now he commands people everywhere to what? Repent. Everywhere, everyone should repent. For all the atrocities going on in our culture, repent. 
Okay, so police officers, what do they need to do? Repent. Stop using vulgarity. Stop using fear tactics. Stop picking on people because you don't, you know, you don't like their people. You don't like their neighborhood. Police officers need to do what? Repent. Drug dealers need to what? Gangbangers need to what? Okay, politicians need to what? Repent. Heterosexual people need to what? Homosexual people need to repent. People everywhere need to repent. Every culture needs to repent. If you're a Jew, what do you need to do? Repent. If you're a Gentile, what do you need to do? Repent. Because when he was talking to old Nick, Nicodemus, he didn't say to him, man, you're a Jew, bro. You're all good. I just came to get with my people. He said, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. And then you hear the most profound words in Scripture. The man, the theologian, Nicodemus, responded back to him. Should I go back up into my mother's womb? As an example that you can be smart and stupid at the same time. I have, I've got my doctorate by God's grace, and I say stupid things all the time. This man said, do you want me to try to hurt my mama and make this a bad day for everybody? And, and Jesus said back to you, you don't know what you're talking What are you talking about? That which is flesh is flesh. That which is spirit is spirit. He said, these things I speak unto you are spirit. That's what he needed to do. Nicodemus, be born again in your spirit and become a son or daughter of God because even out of these stones, if God wants to, he can raise up children of Abraham. So God says we're all made in his image and we have had God be patient with our ignorance. How many know God has been patient with us? How many know God is being patient right now with Bill Gates? He's being patient with Ellen. He's being patient with Trump. He's being patient with Biden. He's being patient with Cardi B. How many know he's definitely being patient with with, uh, Miley Cyrus? He's being patient. And he's been patient. He says, but now you better repent. Verse 31, we'll get back into it. Lord willing, uh, when we get back into Revelation, here it is. For he has set a day. Somebody say a day. Thank you, a day. Well, he will judge the whole world with what? Justice. By the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. So when God says, it is mine to avenge. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. How many in this church say amen to it? That's where I wish I could preach the second sermon now about how that's going to look like when we get to Jesus opening up the seals. But I want everyone to get this as we go back to our notes just in closing here that the reason we as Christians can believe in a God of justice is because we know no one goes to hell without him first reaching out to them. And I know on this planet all justice may not be served. That's why I look back to people like Martin Luther King Jr. and why he chose passive resistance because he understood if we just try to kill all of our enemies, we will be brought down to hate and hate will corrupt our soul. He said, let no man bring you so low as to hate him. And I'm telling you, I've seen these protesters out here raising up signs saying, we ain't our ancestors, we'll F you up. See, what they don't understand is they have lost the cause of justice. They have lost the cause of a young African-American dressed nicely, standing before a Birmingham police officer, outwitting him at every turn, exposing his stupidity and trusting his justice to a God who sees and knows all. It doesn't mean we become doormats and somebody just gets stomped on. It means that we stand on justice in righteousness. Righteousness, right behavior, does not stand against justice. They are hand in hand. God wants us righteous, not ratchet. 
So I don't need Ben Affleck, Cardi B, or Bill Maher, or anybody telling me about justice. I got a book that tells me about justice and how Jesus Christ took on our flesh to take our sins that the justice of God might be served to one who didn't deserve it so we could have mercy those who don't deserve it. He took what I was so I could be like him. He was dead so that I might live. And his blood was for the whole world. Hallelujah. God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Would you stand up with us today? That's our message to this generation. Band and altar workers, would you come please? We applaud you, Jesus. What, what a confirmation at the end here to the message I would have preached that I'll preach next time I see you by God's grace. That worthy is the lamb that was slain, that he might purchase for God from every tribe, nation, and tongue a people to be a kingdom of priests. Hallelujah. Don't let the devil get us to fight against each other. Don't lose sight of righteousness in your fight for justice. We don't have to agree on everything. I get it. There will be people on juries that might disagree. They might say, well, listen, I don't think this policy was handled correctly. We need that to be done, but we have to do it as Christians. We've got to shine our light, and we've got to remind people, you can still be right when it comes to standing against racism or sex trafficking or all these justice issues. You can be right feeding the hungry, clothing the homeless, and giving them shelter, but you can be wrong when it comes to this justice because all of those other justices will not count for anything unless you're ready to face the justice of heaven amen and we're all guilty there we're all guilty that's why by God's grace when you see a, a brother like TJ and I preaching together with a sister like uh, Jessica you know you got different nations represented here we have Kashi here who is Polish we we love our Polish people Yakshamas, right Spanimbogim uh, Spanimbogim God bless you and then we have a Romanian sister here. I wish I could say something nice in Romanian, but God bless you. We love our European brothers and sisters, African, Latino. When you see the church standing together, we shouldn't be so caught up on, man, you know, look at your skin compared to my skin or look at your hair compared to my hair. When I, when I came to the inner city working in New Orleans, I was your typical white boy brought up in the suburbs. I had long, flowing white hair, uh, blonde, uh, blonde. Lord help me, I had flowing brown hair. But every time I went to the hood, you know what they said to me? Can I braid your hair? Can I braid your hair? Now, do you think I walked away going, you're so racist, you have never touched a white person's hair before? No, I'm like, braiding my hair, but don't make it hurt. Because <laughs> so often they would do it, I'd be like, man, how do you guys take this? Cornrows hurt, man. Anybody ever had a cornrow before? It hurts. Some of you, got, some of you went to Jamaica and got your one braid, man. I got my one braid, man. But listen, I was out there, and I used to think, hey, that is what it is. But no joke, my, my kids will sometimes be around TJ. Can I feel your hair? Can I feel your, right, my kids? Because we get caught up on differences. Like, oh, your, oh, your hair is different than mine. Let me touch your hair. Let me see what you're like. Oh, let me go to your house. One time I went over to a Latino's house, and um, I, was, I was sitting there, and I should have known something was up when the friend I was with wasn't eating his mom's cooking. He, he had something else on his plate, okay? And she just put it on my plate like, I, like I'm supposed to eat it, but he doesn't eat it. So I'm like, I'm not going to argue because I'm going to eat whatever's put before me. 
It ended up being like gizzards or something. If he was here, he would tell you what his mom put on my plate. So then after I couldn't stomach it very much, I'm like, brother, why do you have a cheese quesadilla on yours? He's like, man, because I don't eat that. And I'm like, brother, I thought it would be rude to tell your mom I don't eat that. And he's like, no, my mom understands that people have taste. Even Latino people don't eat all Latino food. Can I get an amen? And so we all get caught up on each other's differences. But we don't understand we're all alike. Some of us, some of us like things that our culture likes. Other of us like things our culture doesn't like. But you're not regulated by a diet because your culture likes it. Maybe your culture doesn't like spicy food. You're from a European, more bland culture, but you like spicy food. What difference does it make? Are you listening? Maybe you come from a culture where music, in the, it's in the hips. Does anybody come from a culture where you feel the music in the hips? Come on. How many know if you tried to help me do this in the hips, it's not working? When I met the Greek people, I met my people. This is how they dance. They go around in a circle. They hold hands. This is literally, this is, did we not dance like that at my wedding? We held hands and we danced like this. This, this is my dance. This is my world. I've had people try to teach me the merengue, the bochata. Is, is bochata a dance or a drink? Orchata is the drink, and then bochata is the dance. But, but, that's my problem. I got the but in there. Be patient with me. You're gringo pastor trice. I'm telling you. Yeah. And then, and then this is the funny part. We went to India one time. Black, Latino, white, and they thought we were all American. Like, you just, you're American. Because they look at Michael Jordan, Michael Jackson, African-American, white people. They all look at them as American. They didn't even see the black or the Latino as a Latin nation or as an African nation. They said, oh, you guys are American. You speak English. Let's get out of our ignorance. Let's plead for God's justice. Let's preach the gospel. Enjoy everything else in between. Amen? It's not harmful to enjoy our cultures. It's not harmful to talk about our differences, to crack jokes on each other if it's done in respect and love. But let's get to the main point. We're all going to be judged by Jesus. Amen. Father, thank you for this day. As we get ready to dismiss, if you're not ready to meet the Jesus we've talked about today, would you ask him into your heart and repent of your sins? I'm praying for you right now. Father. I pray if anyone here does not know you personally, they're still reaching out for you. They're still looking to idols or to things in this world to satisfy. Lord, I pray that you'll draw them to your son right now, Father. In Jesus' name, Father, draw all people to yourself. We're lifting up Jesus today. Draw them. Start off by saying, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. I believe you died on the cross, rose again. For those of you who are Christians, and you're, you're, you're troubled today by the world. Before you get mad at the world, will you check your heart? Are you being faithful in your marriage? Are you being faithful in your singleness? Are you serving God free from the sins of this world? When you make those mistakes, do you truly repent so you don't get bound up by them? Come on, let's be honest today. Search your heart. Before you try to fix the world, let God fix you. few moments, anyone here today need Jesus to fix them. And then lastly, right now, if you're here and you say, I know Jesus, and I know he's been working on me, making me his, his handiwork to do good works, would you pray for this nation, pray for Canada, pray for the, the globe, the world mission movement? Would you pray for God's justice to come to this world through the gospel before it comes through wrath? Come on, pray for nations, pray for cities, pray for people to be saved. Police officers, young people, politicians. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. 
We need Jesus in our high schools. We need Jesus in our businesses. We need Jesus on our jobs. Few moments before we leave out of here, house of prayer, folks. Make this a house of prayer. And if you need to come up for anything, we'll pray with you right now, but we'll dismiss in a moment if that makes it easier. But you can come up even now, but let's pray right now. Jesus, do it. Because we're going to start calling out for rain on this city. We're going to start calling out for God's presence to come. We need healing in the land. We need healing in the land. We need joy to come back to our people through repentance. Repentance, then the real joy will come. We need real reconciliation between us and God. Then reconciliation between neighborhoods and communities will come. Few moments, few moments, we're going to leave out of here calling on God to send the rain. Few more moments right now, Jesus. Save those who need to be saved. Sanctify those who need it. And right now, God, use us to change the world. Help me with my, my Hindu neighbors, my Buddhist neighbors, my Catholic neighbors, oh God my atheist neighbors, my friends and family who are on drugs and alcoholism. Oh God, wherever I go, may I be a living witness that you're not far. You're not far from my sister today, oh God. Take her off of alcoholism. You're not, you're not far today from Ashta. Take away Buddhism, oh God. You're not far today, God, from Logan Square. Take away secularism, oh Jesus. Come on. We strike the ground. Come on. Come on. Jesus, as we get ready to go, we pray that you'll send us out as mighty warriors. In Jesus' name. Can somebody say amen? Amen. God bless you, saints.